In this episode, we are staying true to the name Danley and Friends. This is one of my friends, Larry. I met Larry through a mutual friend of ours, Lawrence, when they were at college together. Sometimes you meet people and it just kind of clicks. Ever since then, it's been all love. We check up on each other when we're in the same city. Uh, we've traveled together. We've made songs together. We've started businesses together. Uh, we've partied. Uh, it's just been a good time. And now that we're older and we're growing, we've continued to stay in touch and talk to each other every so often about the ways that we're viewing the world. I've always admired Larry's willingness to back up what he says. Uh, he does a lot in the community from helping at food banks to voter drives to all kinds of things, giving speeches. He started a scholarship for young kids, and he's just like, you know, one of those guys that you want to be in your community or in your circle or on your team, you know? Always insightful. So please enjoy as me and the homie chop it up, as we say. I'd say, you know, my quick elevator pitch is that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty normal. Like, you know, I came from Columbus, Ohio, grew up there, um, you know, kind of middle income family. But now I'm out here in Chicago. You know, I met a lot of cool people in college, met a lot of cool people in high school, met a lot of cool people in Columbus and Chicago. And down at Wake Forest when I went there for grad school. Um, but now, you know, I'm just trying to do what I can to 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 be a part of the community and 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 uh better myself as as a as a man, as a human, as a professional. So yeah, I think I'm pretty standard. That's what's up, man. So so talk to me about that process of bettering yourself. Like, you know, you know, bettering yourself by like getting out in the community. I I've been seeing you do a lot as it pertains to like voting and stuff like that. And um yeah. tell me about that process a little bit. Yeah, man. Um you know, it's funny. I was listening to the description Jill Scott Heron gave of his song, um, you know, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. And when he described it, he was like, man, the, the revolution, you know, when I said it would be live, I'm saying that it's going to happen inside. You know, it's, it's something that's an internal struggle. It's an internal battle that you have to go through. And, you know, I think everybody. And it goes through that to kind of one kind of understand like what like purpose, right? I think purpose is something that people really um, grapple with, right? In different ways, they they oftentimes don't call it purpose, but that's what they're kind of grappling with. Like, how do I fit into this thing? Whether it's capitalism and professional career, or you know, relationship wise, friendship wise, and how do I kind of fit into these places? And you know, I think for me, it's as my purpose became more clear and you get a lot of good feedback, there's a constant feedback loop around you, whether it's your friends telling you stuff, whether it's your professors telling you stuff, your parents, friends, things like that. So I think if you're willing to listen um, and, and you're willing to go and seek information, whether it be it from books or I, I try to favor long form content, because I think that's better for kind of shaping a, uh, a, a thoughtful approach or just giving you just frameworks to look at the world through. But um, I knew that I had to just start to do things right and not worry about being perfect. So um, 
Yeah, man. I think this is really important. I think that I was shaped because I was born in 1989, which made it so that the first, when I turned 18, was 28, 2008, right? So in 2008 was the first Black president. So, you know, in terms of like my affinity score towards like politics, right? Like I had a pivotal event that happened my sophomore year. Like I voted for the first black president and I, and that's just a, a shaping, that's a vent that, that shapes you. So that's always been a piece of me. And now I think it's just very imperative for people to be in tune with, um, you know, not only now, but like future, right? Like now is just, this is just one moment, but like the decisions that we make now will have long reaching, far reaching effects. So I, you know, I just, I'm trying to give people information to kind of, see that you know yeah man and i think you've done a, a good job at it um and the things that you post and the things that you do um you know it's, it's definitely thought-provoking and so i'll mm-hmm. always find that refreshing um in a world that's you know sometimes much more negative you know what i mean mm-hmm. um right so, so yeah. tell me about that man because i mean obama was uh definitely pivotal for me too um you know mm-hmm. it's just like like representative, and and I guess I want to hear your opinion on it, man. Like, you know, with in a world of identity politics these days, people could easily write that off and be like, "Oh, you're just voting for the black guy because he's black." And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, talk about, you know, your views on on that and how you'd respond to that. Uh, you, you know, first you got to be talking to somebody who's grounded in, in the history of this country. Right. Like you, you got to be willing to accept the events that have led us to today. Right. Mm-hmm. Like as long as that's the starting point, then I can have a conversation with you. But, you know, if you go through the, the just a br- brief history, 1619 is when you first started seeing slaves come over. You know, slaves only really started having a pathway to freedom and fighting in the Revolutionary War. Some people fought and they got their freedom that way. Right. And then it fast forward into, um, you know, 1860s or so when. Um, you know, you started seeing more free black people, free slaves. And then it was the first Civil Rights Act in 1865 that Frederick Douglass helped out with. And then you go from Reconstruction where black people tried to get a little bit of rights. And then you get into the redemption era where you start to see like a lot of the Southern started strategy started to form. But you see KKK, a lot of violence. Presidents deciding should they use federal resources to help all of this violence against black people violence to not get them to the polls, violence to not be able to uh, be part of the economy. And then you fast forward a little bit, you see, you know, some wars start to happen. Black people kind of get involved in, in, in that and they're disproportionately represented in the military. Um, and then, you know, you get into the civil rights era, right? Or you get into Jim Crow, right? And black people are trying to be a part of society, but they're just not quite there yet. And then you get into the civil rights, right? And then you see some of the it's just constant trajectory of black people being more and more accepted by white society, right? More and more acceptance there, right? And it kind of continues to grow. And, you know, you see some advancements from able to uh, be in public spaces, right? right. At a certain point right. in time, it's like we were just allowed to be at the United Center, yeah. you know, yeah. go watch a game. And then it kind of comes to a head in 2008 in many ways, right? I'm not saying from an economic standpoint, I'm not... I'm talking about just from a trajectory, if you just look at the story of America, right? Yeah. Because prior to that, 
for 43 presidents, it was old white men, 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 literally. And then it is young white dude, they yeah. shot his shot him in the head and blew his head off. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like fresh, young, well-spoken, smart as hell, Harvard graduate, Southside Chicago, Michelle Obama's his wife. I'm here now and I'm talking that talk, right? Yeah. yeah. So when we look at it like that, I just want to put it like it's not like like if you want to get a pop, I'm just talking about the story of America. You know yeah. what I mean? And I was, I just happened to be born in 1989 and became eligible to vote just before the first black president. So it, when, when I think about it and, and you know, I, 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 I um, if, if you appreciate the story of America, right, and, and, the, and, the, and the toxic relationship that Black people have had with America and the trajectory and the moral compass, right, and, and the morality piece of it, right, because America's young. They're coming to a moral high ground in some places, and they have to start to look in the mirror. And I'm not saying that Barack Obama solved racism, but he did humanize Black people in, in the eyes of many, I think. I think that's that's an interesting take, man. And that's something that people like would benefit from considering as a perspective, because like, you know, it was meaningful. Like you hear about all these things like growing up, like I, I talked to my grandpa and he's like, yeah, like I used to not be allowed in the front door at restaurants and stuff. And like they, they mm -hmm. teach you about the civil rights era like it was so long ago. And, you know, my grandpa's still alive, you know, having, yeah. having gone through this stuff. And it's like, man, you guys have to realize the, the significance of this because it's like I, I think there's, you know, some negativity as it pertains to identity politics. But I do think that we have to recognize that we do belong to groups in a way. We do belong to these tribes. And so it's nice to see someone from your neighborhood uh, do well. It's nice to see someone from your family do well. It's nice to see someone from your race do well because at a certain level, people treat you guys the same way. So, um, yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, and, and, I th and I think it's nothing wrong with appreciating that, right? Like, I was happy for Jeremy Lin when he started going Lin Sanity. I'm like, yo, hold on, this Asian dude just going crazy at NBA. <laughs> yeah. like, like, yeah. like, you feel what I'm saying? Like, like, there's nothing wrong with appreciating that as well. Like, it's not like a either or. It's not a, uh, you know, a there's a false sense that everything is a zero-sum game. Right. When it's really not. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's a false sense about this being either this or that. Bro, like, there's... No. It's like it's like <laughs> if I'm shining, my shine doesn't block your shine. Actually, we right. shine brighter together. You know what I mean? Like yeah, brighter in here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Man, so one yeah. thing uh you said that was interesting. Um you talked about that that uh feedback loop that you get like throughout life and people telling you things. Um I, I've always admired your growth and your trajectory. And you know, we talk about feedback loop. How are you able to filter out the noise from, you know, things that were act actually like meaningful? You know what I mean? Because some people just want to like put you down. No, no matter when you try to start something, you know, people have something to say about it. How do you filter mm -hmm. out, you know, the, the things to pay attention to versus, oh, that person's just like being toxic? Yeah, no. Um, I, I think... Uh, it's, some of it goes back to like um, you, you know you're being conditioned as as you grow up, 
there's a lot of conditioning that is happening. And um, even if you take it back to football, there were certain coaches that would tell you something and it's like, okay, you're telling me in a way that I can hear what you're saying. And I, you know, I respect you and I'm going to listen and I'm going to be more in tune to that. Right. Like it's about, you're saying it in a way that helps me improve myself. So I need to be more in tune with what you say and I can hear you more. Right. I am a very focused because there's a respect level there. Right. Yeah. So I'm very focused in when you say something. Now, there's other coaches that used to just be yelling some shit. And it's like, yeah, no, I fucked up. But <laughs> you're not even telling me in a way that I, is is receptive to me. And I'm already my own worst critic. So I just kind of block you out, you know. And I think that that kind of continues to go on. It's like when you're online or, and this is like a digital space, and we can kind of talk about how you really have to be able to manage yourself in both the digital and the physical space now. But I would say. I look for people who, one, I respect, right? And not just because you've made it to some place in your career or something like that. Maybe you're just a really good listener, right? Yeah. I respect this person because I know every time I talk to them, they listen really well. So I'm sure they're listening when everybody else talks. So their opinion is going to be more informed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I just think it, it really is like, how do you judge respect for somebody? How do you, and, and I think the more in tune you are with this feedback loop, you'll start to say, okay, this person always gives me good information and it makes me better. Yeah. Person always says some shit that it just kind of brings me down and everything. And it's like, let me tune that out a little bit. So it's like, just as I would tell people to monitor the the intake of content online, you know what I mean? And and just like physically, what am I scrolling through? You got to monitor intake in all parts of your life, like intake of information. What do you let seed down into you, right? Like, or what do you just let kind of go past? Yeah, yeah, that that's true, man. Um, and you think about it from a nutrition standpoint, it's like if you only eat donuts, like that's probably not gonna go too well. So it's like if you only take in toxic content, you have to imagine the toll that that's gonna take on your mind. Like it's not, it's not gonna be ideal. So I think I think that's an important thing that you call out there, man. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you think that you started thinking like this? You know, because you know one one conversation we had, you said uh, it's uncomfortable when you realize you're in the matrix, you know what I mean? And then you come out of it. It's like a lot of people just kind of go along with this, um, you know, the things that are fed to you from society, like that formula of reality TV and just kind of like getting lost in the sauce. Um, when did you, I guess, realize that you're in the matrix, man, and started thinking kind of outside of the scope of that? Yeah. Um, you know, I always have been appreciative for the journey that I've been on. And I see that there are things that were afforded to me that weren't necessarily afforded to other people. And it allowed for me to kind of continue to ascend. And I always try to keep myself grounded in where I've come from, right? Mm-hmm. Because that kind of shows you the the full journey, right? The breadth and just the breadth of my experience, right? And then you start to travel a little bit. So you got the breadth of your experience where you've come from, from professional boardrooms. And then you start to travel a little bit and you start to talk to people and stuff like that. And like, you realize how diverse experiences are, but then you also kind of realize that um, there is sometimes a cognitive dissonance between some of the information that you take in and kind of what you're experiencing in the real world. Right. So I think 
you know, when you start to read books or you start to start to take in more information and then you listen to what people say, it makes you realize that like there is what is kind of portrayed to you, right? This what they want you to see, what how they want you to generate it and stuff like that. And then there's just kind of like the real world, like this lived experience. And I think being in marketing, I think kind of helps you look at that because, you know, I started in digital marketing, what, like six years ago? Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, like, you know, I understand the tactics and the strategies to, to touch different user bases. So I think that I'm probably a little bit more in tune with kind of the digital marketing perspective. And then I was a psychology major. Right. So I think that I've just been naturally inquisitive and you start to realize that, that there is a disconnect there. And sometimes, you know, you, you got to understand like why some people kind of remain in the matrix. Right. Like some of it is just like. Um, I know we talked about this guy before, but his name is, is, is Russo. And he's like, a, I believe he was an Italian philosopher. And he just was like, as the Enlightenment age started to come about, people started to get more wealth. And he, one of his critiques was to say, like, when people start getting all this money and people start focusing in on all these, all the luxuries of life, they're going to lose the, 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 the central element of what's important, right? And they're going to take their eye off the ball for like government they're not going to be critical they're just going to kind of be living in this luxury and i think that's what it is man a lot of people are just living in the luxuries of of being american and american society you know i agree man i I think i don't don't know i was pondering one day i was sitting at at my sink and i was looking at my phone and uh somebody like put some post up complaining about something and you know i I had the water running because i was about to brush my teeth and i'm like man i'm sitting here with this fresh water just like dripping down the faucet Mm -hmm. and there Mm -hmm. are women in India that have to walk for an hour and it's been like an hour gathering water. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm rich. You know what I mean? Just that alone. I'm rich. So Mm -hmm. that's wild, man. Uh, We are, I think it's privilege, man. I think we're very privileged. And so Mm -hmm. um, that's one word that's uncomfortable for people to seem to deal with. Um, One thing that you said that I thought was interesting as well was lived experience. I like Mm -hmm. that phrase a lot because I think, Um, through meeting different people and having those different experiences, you get to realize that most people are the same and want kind of the same things. Right. Right. Uh, right. But once, once, I think once you peel that layer of like uh, politics off of it, off partisanship, all that stuff, like, no, let's, let's just get to the real, like, what do you want for your family? You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what, what's your, what's your thoughts about public safety? You know, how do you think education can be improved? Like, what's your, when you start to ask just those essential questions, you realize people end up in a very similar place. Yeah. Now, if you come in from, oh, this is a policy the Democrats put out, this is a policy Republican, and it's even less so about policy now. Like, I, like, it's not even, it's, 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 it's almost like this identity politics. It's almost just like identities. It's not even like politics anymore because it's like, we're not even talking about policies. Right. We're talking about people. We're talking about just people like yeah. black, white, like, bro, like, uh, rioter, Antifa, uh, 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 Mike, bro, what are we talking about? Right. Are we talking about public? 
Like, because we can find middle ground if we're talking about that. You know what I mean? And, and I just think that people got to be willing to kind of come back to like, yo, what are we doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of re- just just kind of reevaluate where we are. It's like, really? Like, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, man. Um, I don't really understand, like, people feeling the need to, like, take to the streets with guns. and stuff. You know what I mean? And, like, like really, like, get violent um, over what's essentially, like, what? n- nothing meaningful. You know, we're not really, like, having... We're not really, quote, fighting over freedom like people think. It, we're, we're fighting over just, like, these, these shallow <laughs> things. And, uh, and uh, you know, you talked about getting into some of those ideas and, and kind of digging down mm-hmm. into policy. What, what are some mm-hmm. uh, interesting things um, or interesting nuggets that, that you've had that you see, like, hey, maybe we can fix this or, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of some, some solutions or path forward? Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there's a, there's a lot of things that I think we need to improve on, but I think it was interesting that, uh, Joe Biden put out a plan for like healthcare or for childcare because childcare is not something that you often think about, but like, if you think about it as like a bottom line item for new families, or if you think about it as the sorts of workers that are kind of working in these fields, right giving them a livable wage, whether you're at a nursing home or you're working with children, right? Daycare and stuff like that. I think that does a combination of things. One, it puts more money in the pockets of new parents, right? When someone might have to fall, when a woman might have to fall out of the um, workforce because she's unable to find childcare or she's unable to afford it. Or, you know, a, a couple is like, okay, Somebody has to stay home to stay with the kids. You now have the option to say, all right, we don't have to lead a work workforce. We'll stay here and we'll send them to this childcare that is free. But it doesn't have the the, the tarnish of being a, a free service from the government because they're paying the people that work there a, a livable, a, a good wage, right? If you pay people a good wage, you can attract people into that field that will really care about childcare, right? really care about developing programs for kids to be able to start to, uh, learning and start to shape who they are, right? Like, what if we start to teach kids earlier, right? And, and this is something that's available for everybody, right? I think that's a really big thing, educating kids, keeping people in the workforce. And then I think on the other side of it with like seniors, I think it allows for you to also uh, kind of not use resources as much as your parents start to age, right? Because as your parents start to age, your kids are starting to grow and they're starting to need a little bit more attention. Maybe you need to start thinking about college there. So if you don't have to pay for, you know, um, care for your elderly parents, I think that that keeps money in your pocket as well. So, you know, I just think that that is an interesting policy with uh, a lot of great opportunities for it to um, spur the economy, but it's more of a demand side tactic. It's not like a supply side economic uh, strategy. Yeah. And the thing that bothers me about stuff like that is it seems like the criticism of an idea like that seems to become, oh, well, who's going to pay for it? Or, you know, like stuff like that, instead of looking right. at it and being like, man, okay, those are two major problems that we're facing in society. You know what I mean? So let's 
hone in on it a little bit. If I don't agree with that as the solution, what can we do to find a place where we both can land? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think uh, a thing that you point out that I think is key in this is, um, although personally Joe Biden isn't my favorite for president, he does have mm-hmm. a plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a plan. Yeah. Like he is, he is working Definitely with, has a plan. he's working with other politicians to figure stuff out. So um, I, I think that means a lot. Table, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 so the concept, and, and this, this is, continues to bother me, but the concept of like um, tax dollars and like who's going to pay for this, all this stuff. I, so one, I don't think that people will calculate like absolute and relative costs, right? Like in their mind, they only think about the dollars that are coming out of their check, their check on like a, a biweekly basis. Maybe they think about that. They probably don't even think about that. They just probably just like saying, uh, who's going to pay for it? Oh, not my tax. You know, you probably don't even know how much comes out of your check on a biweekly basis. Let's be honest. Right, right. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. You probably don't remember how much you paid in taxes last year. I, but I don't know the exact number. You know, honestly, I don't. You know, like exactly. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there, right. right? So not only is there a disconnect there from them like realizing what a five percent increase would really do, which if you're making less than four hundred thousand dollars a year, you're not going to worry about. It. And I'm not really worried about people making more than four hundred thousand dollars a year. But the other piece of that is you don't calculate like the uh, cost over time. Now, if they were investing in programs, and this is some on the government, like I don't think the government always implements plans uh, to to a T. But if I look at what it, like Joe Biden's plan, just like okay, well, shaves ten thousand dollars off a of student loan debt, caps it so that you're only going to pay five percent of your free income. So that's income after you pay for housing and food and all of the essentials, right? Only five percent of that, and Childcare. So if you have family plans in the near future, okay, for five years, you're going to have free childcare. Um, if you're thinking about buying a new home in the near future, $15,000 down on that, right? So when I start to think about all the cost savings, and if I project into the future savings over time, I start to say, well, who's going to pay for it? It's like, well, uh, one, my tax rate is going to stay the exact same. So really, it looks like the government is working harder for me. It looks like my tax dollar is actually working harder for me. Like if you get the option to have free check, because that's the thing. People complain about it now, but when they get that option, they're going to be like, oh, well, let me, <laughs> let me go ahead. Right. Oh, I can stay on until 26. I can stay on my parents. Oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to stay on that. <laughs> right. Every single friend I had, everyone I talked to stayed on their parents. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it didn't matter like, if they were Republican, fine, Democrat, what. It's like, and, that, and, that, sorry, and that's bro. the thing, man. Like, it, it seems like people are like, if it affects me, I care about it. If it doesn't, then fuck it, you know? And that, that's such a, a weird way to, to go through life, man. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's very selfish. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think you're right. People don't really understand, like, like dollars. They don't think about it. Because if they did. The true cost. Right. If they did, no one would get a mortgage. You pay for your house, like, twice, you know, yeah. over the course of a 30-year mortgage. Right, right. And then, like, student loans and stuff like that. Like, you end up paying for them, like, twice. Like, it's crazy. Right. So, yeah. you know, yeah, people aren't really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another thing that, that's interesting about those ideas is, like, 
you know, we all pay for the roads. Um, mm-hmm. I, I pay for schools and I don't have any kids. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, and I don't mind because it makes the society around me better. Um, it makes my neighborhood better. It makes the value of my home better to have a good school district and stuff like that because it's, it's a better community. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. Um, right. yeah, it's, a, it's an expense I incur, but look at the value that I'm receiving from it on the back end. You know, I mean, it, it literally is a platform fee. OK, you know, you can't just go and start uh, selling products on Amazon and not pay some fees to Amazon. You know what I mean? But I'm giving you this place where you could be safe, where you have running water, electricity, ability to make money, ability to have a job, legal protection. Like I'm giving you all these things, roads, schools. And all you got, I mean, there's a tax that you got to pay because we got to maintain it, right? Now, are you cool with giving up legal protection and not being able to form an LLC? Are you cool with giving up, uh, you know, schools in, in your area? You got to figure out how to do it. Are you cool with giving up, you know, uh, the ability to go up to the store and have a grocery store right there? Are you? Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> I'm like, why are we act, why are we acting like we knew to this? Like, okay, like, yeah, taxation without represent, like, that's we're no longer there. We have representation. You know what I mean? You're getting taxed. You have you now. You need to get involved with politics and tell them where you want your dollars to go. You see what I'm saying? Like on a local level, like, yeah, man. And uh, it seems like we get into arguing about like the concept of government instead of like, okay, let's look at what is actually happening. Let's look at what we have in the current system and, and hone right. that in. You know what I mean? And let's work together to hone that in. But uh, nah, we want to argue about the founding fathers and, and shit like right. that. And I'm like, bro, like they didn't even we have the know. internet. You know what I mean? They right. didn't have the internet. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So I don't know. It's a different world. And uh, I think if we were to really focus on that lived experience, like you said, bro, like, um, and come back to reality, we could, we could solve some problems. So- yeah, and and that's the and that's the problem I have with where we are now is that we lose focus on the fact that we truly are having um, there. There are truly a, a lot of existential crises that are going on simultaneously, and we need to be able to work together so that we can come up with some of the best solutions for these things. Right, like we're so busy infighting that like you know we could have been leading the charge on climate change we could have been leading the charge on um you know wiping out poverty or healthcare or like you know all of these things it's like we need to come together to kind of figure out like okay what are we gonna do because there's one story where america like experiment doesn't work out and they rose to the top and then they failed because they couldn't come together is that story and then it's the story where it's like, I don't know how they did it, but they climbed over the mountain and they avoided letting him get in another term. And then they started to come together and new leaders started to pop up and innovation started to come and they started to lead again. It's like, and we're, and, and we're sitting between these two options. And I'm like, I don't understand how the first option like is something that's appealing at all because <laughs> There is a lot going on, and we have like there's a lot going on. Come on, like we. So, 
Yeah, I, I like being able to think through problems and being able to work together to come up with solutions and not just talk past each other, you know? Yeah, man, I think I think that's important. I think communication is is so key and people have just like, I don't know, like kind of given up on it and just like start calling each other names and coming up with this idea of who they think the other person is, you know, the whole straw man thing mm-hmm. and just like attacking that instead of, mm-hmm. again, that lived experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with all this craziness, man, um, we can get stressed out and stuff like that. Like, what do you do to decompress? Uh, yeah, so so I've still been like, I, I do like yoga. So yoga, I think, is, is good, man. Um, riding my bike, I always feel a sense of peace. That. And then um, reading. Um, yeah, man. Because when you're reading, you kind of like, it's funny, the more you kind of read about history and stuff like that, you kind of realize, like, it's just, man, I mean, it. people went through some fucked up shit, too. Yeah, you know I mean, like, it, it was other fucked up shit going on. Now, this is definitely, like, at the top, at, like, definitely at, like, a high point. Like, this is, this is different, but it is interesting to kind of hear, like, it was a lot of fucked up shit going on in general, but, um, so it kind of gives you a sense of reprieve to be like, okay, hold on, well, they was going through that was pretty fucked up too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think that kind of helps a little bit. Yeah, but man, I, tr- you know, I haven't been doing too much. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I do think reading helps. What's a, what's a favorite book of yours that you read lately? Like one that's been pretty impactful for you. I, I'd say um, I've read this book, uh, Why Liberalism Fails. Um, and it's just good to be able to be uh, be able to critique uh, kind of a foundation of your life, right? Like you need to kind of understand where the critiques come in, right? And you know, in the book, they did talk about concepts of cancel culture, right? Where it's almost like um, you suffocate out ideas, and those people who have those ideas really, you know, in, in some ways, don't have the ability to kind of express them. Um, but you know, I, there were certain things in there that that I thought were were interesting, um, well thought out. But I just think it's important to be able to read things and not get too, um, you know, upset about ways that uh, a foundation that that you stand on is is, is kind of critiqued. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think when you critique your belief system. Um, you fortify it in a way because you either get to persist in the way that you've been because you know that it's you know strong because you've tested it or mm-hmm. you get to change it to something stronger and you know you get to be right like you know what i mean and i i think there's something weird about like the idea of being right though too because i don't know I, I think there's like right for now or right for this scenario i don't think there is like an absolute right mm-hmm. but i think people have been searching for like absolute truth since like the beginning of time you know so mm-hmm. i don't know yeah 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 i i, I think that kind of um uh, that kind of parallels with this idea of like purpose as well um I, it, it is funny that you said that though because like what is right you know yeah um, unless unless we so i i guess uh to clarify that one a little bit there are things that are just fact yeah yeah that's true yeah and like sometimes like people like to get away with just like 
acting like fact isn't fact. It's like, no, this is fact. Now, how it's portrayed or how it's given to you or how it's interpreted is are those those are separate things. But like when people start to get and that's when I know when the conversation is over. Like when we start when we get to the point where we argue down to the to the facts and you start to deny facts because it is more convenient for your argument to deny the facts. Yeah. Then that's when you're just like, okay, well you you've lost. <laughs> 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 let's be real like honestly if, if you got if you got to start interjecting with lies that means you've lost the argument yeah <laughs> like, yeah like like, like if, if the if your last argument is a lie <laughs> yeah then it's like all right you know or like <laughs> like oh uh where'd you hear that cnn you know what i mean like you well, know something like that right. i'm like Right. <laughs> I mean, I heard it a couple of places actually, but right, you know, right. you, you no, probably actually, would too if you get off of Fox News. <laughs> right, right. It was cross verified across uh, three, four different reputable sources. <laughs> cross verified. Right. Yeah. That's what's up. I mean, that, I, I do think that I, I do think that that's a bigger thing with our media right now. And I, look, call a fact a fact. Russia is meddling. Yeah, right. yeah, we we know that. We know that. We know that, right? Yeah. And they're coming in with right wing propaganda, and some people are just eating it up because it's this vacuum of Trump at the top, Fox News, some other areas like Breitbart News, and then there's like this Russian interference that's kind of coming in or whatnot. And they're probably and and you can see it like uh, on the Twitter handles and stuff like that. Whether it's a live stream or something like that, it'll be bots that'll come in there and and say disparaging remarks or keep repeating the same sleepy Joe sleepy. I'm like, honestly, my nigga don't look sleepy to me. <laughs> he actually looked like he in the lead right now. You know what I mean? He looked like he knocking these speeches out of the park. And he got Harris with him too. So, okay. And, and there's a reason why you was willing to get in peace to try to get information on that man. Cause you was nervous, but neither here nor there. Right. So we see all these Russian bots in the chat and stuff like that. And then you just see people, getting all their information from Facebook and then reposting it. And it was like, honestly, you have to, like, if you give me a video and if there's three debunking videos about that video, we have to just come to a realization to say, there are people (laughs) who, multiple people who spent time debunking this. And if you will feel uncomfortable watching the debunking version of your video, then you need to be honest with yourself and saying that, like, the, the ground you're standing on is not solid. Yeah, man. You, you have to be able to, to qualify your beliefs. You know what I mean? You, you can't just go with a narrative because it's comfortable, just because it feels good. And, right. and I, I don't know what that is about people that we just, like, seek that comfort and just, like, you know, <laughs> we'd rather persist in ignorance than, than test our beliefs. I, I, don't, I don't get that about people. Um, where do you see the most opportunity for us to, you know, make peace and, uh, you know, find a reckoning moving forward? I mean, our biggest opportunity is, is, is really, it started Friday, North Carolina's, uh, ballot started to go out, um, their board of elections approved, uh, them to count the ballots prior to election day. So it can kind of cut out any of that nonsense going on. But really, it's about the election, man. Like, let's be honest. At this point, most black people 
are looking at this, well, people in general are looking at this like this is America's story being written. And it could go one or two ways. It could be, yes, you are what we thought you were. You were this uh, imperialistic empire that was willing to be hypocritical in the way that they treat their people, be, uh, you know, condone human rights violations and all of these things. Or we know that we have problems. We understand that our history is messy and it's messed up. And a lot of people feel like they haven't been included and we really need to do better. Come to the table. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. And it's really that simple at this point. So I think our biggest opportunity is voting and people really being astute to what's going on. Because it's not just a normal election. You know what I mean? It's not just a normal, it's not normal for someone to say, let's move the election back. It's not normal for someone to keep saying that mail-in voting is a fraud. Have you ever heard about mail-in voting being a fraud before now? Before you heard Donald Trump, was you, was you like, like before he was in the political realm, I was never hearing anything about fraudulent because you know why all of the studies that I've read, Harvard, and my, all of the studies, you know, there's no, there's virtually no fraud. There's it's easier for you to get struck twice by lightning and you've never been struck once. A lot of people take care of business through the mail. It's like actually one of the most trusted, you know, institutions that we have. I think in all the years that I've been mailing things, I've only had one thing ever get damaged. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 I don't know. That That's probably the most accurate, uh, you know, institution or, or body that I've ever seen. Um, and it's, and it's, the, it's the most trusted. It's the most beloved. Like, and, 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 and really the whole voting is not even about like, just the UPS or, or USPS. Like that's one component of it. If you do mail-in voting and you get your ballot in the mail and then you mail it back out. But some people might get their ballot in the mail, take it into a Dropbox location, might take it into the board of elections. They might, you know what I mean? So like, I think, I think just voting, you know, Although there are things that are wrong with it, I don't think fraud is going to be it. I think voter suppression is 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 the problem there. You know what I mean? Like, so I, yeah, and I could go on about voter suppression, but it's like y'all work so hard to suppress the vote when y'all can just change your stance a little bit and get more people to vote for you. But, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's wild. So. Um, I do have a lot of right wing friends, man, and uh, people uh, that don't like Trump per se, but are probably still going to vote for him just because um, they're, you know, it's their side. Um, what are your criticisms of Trump? If you had to just give me a couple, I know that we could probably do a whole podcast <laughs> on, on just that. But like, you know, what are kind of your your main ones, and you know, what what problems do you see with him? Uh. You know, I almost approach it like I would just approach, um, you know, anybody who I would choose to kind of be around, right? And, um, you know, there are certain bosses that I had that I really enjoyed them, 
you know, they were people who were willing to roll up their sleeves, um, you know, listen to, to, to their, uh, to their employees, um, you know, put you in a good position to win, um, give you credit when your credit is due, let you shine, um, be willing to take a backseat when necessary. Um, but you know, be, be a strong, confident, competent leader, right? Um, somebody who always wanted the best interests of, of the team, best interests of the organization. Um, and you know, there's, there's a lot of things that I think, uh, Trump falls short on from a leadership style. So I think he is unable to empower others, which when you have really big problems, you can't solve them yourself. So you need to be able to empower individuals. I think he relies on um, uh, shaky information that really is just kind of skewed towards what he wants to hear, right? He's not really able to ingest information that is kind of counter to, to what he might think. And I, and I feel like people who aren't able to um, take in both sides and kind of make a decision based off of that and kind of remove ego from it, I think that they never end up with like the best decision. Um, and, you know, I would just say in, in some ways, I think it's when you're intentionally lying to people, I think that's a character item. And, um, you know, I, I, someone who intentionally lies to me, it, it's different if someone's kind of like lying because um, they don't want to hurt you or they don't want to give you the full truth because there are things that like you might, that, that aren't necessarily in your realm, right? You, you don't even need to know everything. I'm going to put you in the right path. Like, this is about what's going on. This is almost there. But you just kind of give us the complete opposite of, of the truth, right? And you don't really embrace, um, you know, where you've gotten us. And you want to place blame on other people. And, you know, I just don't, I, I think those are weak leadership characteristics. I think that that leaves us in a worse place moving forward. And even if you just think about it from an economic standpoint, you don't want to invest in a company whose CEO is irrational, who doesn't lead with facts. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my that would be my argument that I would give to someone who is uh, kind of more has more of an affinity towards him. Yeah, man. Um... He just has a character uh, uh, that's unlike anything I'd want to be around, anyone I want to be involved with, or, or anything like that. Like I, I wouldn't trust him, you know, right. to do business or anything. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't do deal with that guy at all. So, right. uh, yeah, it's just I think it goes back to kind of what you were talking about in the beginning when it you know comes to evaluating people. It's not their position or you know what they do or what degree they have or anything like that. It's you know, it's really about character and how they treat other people and, you know, how they carry themselves and stuff like that. So. Especially since it's like the highest job in the land. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, we got to take this serious. We can't let our emotion get caught up in this. We got to, we got to be honest with ourselves and say like, um, you know, whatever is, is most important for you, whether it's, um, even if it's like things like, uh, two-way, uh, like the Second Amendment or whatnot. I mean, let's be honest, Obama was in there for eight years and there was more guns by, under Obama than any other president previously. So the argument that he was going to take your guns away, that never happened. You know what I mean? 
So like, it's not like some democratic candidate is gonna come in here and like every, like, I just think that some of the like reasons why people are turned off from Democrats are not based in fact. And I feel like, yeah, there's propaganda on both sides, but like, it's not scare tactics to make you believe something that's never gonna happen. Right. Like, it's not like Obama was a Muslim. You know what I mean? It's not like he would like secretly, he was there for eight years. Like nothing bad happened. He protected you from Ebola. He protected you from SARS. He protected you from Zika. He protected you from uh, malaria. He protected you from all of these things. And then he got the economy back turning around. It was losing 400,000 jo- jobs a, 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 a week. Yeah. You know I mean, we was really bleeding. Yeah. And then once he got in, he, he made it happen. Um, so. I just think we got to be honest and looking at things like kind of remove some of the. That's the only way we get we all. That's the only way we move forward, man. Like, I think just people get too emotional and stuff. It's like, look, we we picking somebody for the highest job in the land. We can't let emotion just get all caught up. Like, come on. Like, if you wouldn't choose him for to be on your your, your teammate on, on a high school project. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Right. Like you would not choose him to be on. Like, how would you? Cho- why are you choosing him for the highest job in the land? You wouldn't. You would not choose for him to be your boss. If you had other options, you would not want that. Come on now. Like I'm just. Yeah. I think people got to be honest with themselves and, and like shoot. When you go into the booth, you ain't got to tell nobody else what, what you did. Like honestly, if you choose not to vote for him, I think that in the long run, history would look at you better. Honestly, I think history will bend towards you. Honestly, that decision. Yeah. Um, you don't got to vote for Biden. I, I, like, I would say if you're a right-wing person and you really are just anti-democratic, all right, fine. But you've seen a lot of Republicans come out against them. And there's a reason why they're doing that. Yeah. We, democracy, you are a constitutionalist. You believe in that constitution. You're conservative. You need to realize what's happening to democracy and you need to understand like democracy is important for you to have a say in this thing because this thing can go far right. And we've seen history of that before. And that's not what anybody wants. That's not what we want. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, heck, we saw a bunch of conservatives speaking at the DNC. You You had Kasich from Ohio you know, speaking at it and he was running for president as a Republican a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? So it's just wild. It's wild. None of the former presidents came out and endorsed them. Right. You know? Right. None Ron of them. Was, None of them. <laughs> nobody can, like at a certain point in time, you got to have. You have to step back and ask yourself some of these questions. Like, I don't know, like. No matter how far I go, if I ever got into politics and stuff like that, there would be none of my family members that would come out and call and say anything bad about me. Right. Not my sister, not my niece, not, because I love my family and, I, and I'm going to be the same person. If you got your family, like, imagine this, like, and, and you got to ask yourself that. Do you think your niece or your sister will come out and, and really be talking badly about you? Like, this person is unfit for duty like you gotta think about that man i'm sorry you gotta think about that yeah and think about like i mean she could have played the card completely differently and tried to gain some influence you know because of her relationship to him and stuff like that but 
But no, nah, she's like, I, I got to let people know that this is how things are. So I think that's very telling. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about you know, Trump and the, the problems with him. Who are the thought leaders that you look toward, like the people that you see making a difference positively in politics and in the world? It's a really good question. Um, I feel like I've been stuck between like reading uh, uh, people from like history and um, I, I really don't want to say any of the any of the people that are in politics that are kind of more widely known because I think there's policies that I like and policies I don't like. You know, I would say like interesting people who have started to catch my attention. Somebody like Andrew Yang, I think, is really interesting. Um, and I, I think he's less like a partisan type figure than like most people. Like, I don't really think he kind of aligns up with that. He's a weird, you put him in kind of a weird space for, on the political spectrum. But I think a lot of the ideas that he had were groundbreaking. And I think he was talking about something that we're really not focusing in on enough, which is like the technology convergence into society. Um, AI, quantum computing, all of these different things that will start to manifest themselves in different ways. We don't have laws. We don't have like, we're not properly in tune with this as a society to kind of think about that. So I I do think like kind of, um, uh, you know, kind of futuristic thought about planning is like an Oh, area that we need to get into because we can't just we need to have like 10 year plans, like 20 year plans that like we are able to get done. And honestly, and there's some ways that like. So, so I say it like this, if I was somebody and I was a stone cold, cold conservative and um, wanted everything to go my way. I can see how you would want your dude to be in office for indefinitely, your party to be there indefinitely. Because in many ways, I feel like it's going to take a lot of democratic ideas, more liberal ideas, to actually solve some of these existential threats. You know what I mean? Like climate change, you can't turn the faucet on, turn it on. Turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. No, the Paris Climate Accords, why the fuck did we ever get out of that? That's crazy to me. Like, like we're not getting, like, so I don't know how we do it, but it has to be smart people to kind of think about it. But it's like certain things, certain of these problems are not going to be things where we can be, like, we can't just come in and out of this stuff, man. It's like these ideas, like things like, like Andrew Yang and stuff are kind of focusing on are like more future thinking ideas that we have to have a solid plan to face. So yeah, man, I always say him as, as an individual, but I think that's more of an important concept to understand of this long-term planning that we'll need. But yeah. Um, I mean, I think again, that goes back to that character piece. It's like, who are the people who are, thinking about these problems and trying to solve these problems because i mean we only get one earth and uh you know the oceans rising don't care if your house is democratic or republican you know it's it's just gonna (laughs) it's gonna eat that house up right um this this is stuff we all need to be be thinking about um you know 
food is, is becoming an issue. Supply chains are getting messed up. Um, you know, as people get out of work and, and things like that, and um, these are going to have effects. You know, eventually, you know, it's not going to be. If we let it keep going, you you can't walk in a grocery store and, and get what you want as easily anymore. Right. And then what do you do? Right. You know. So we got we got to think about this stuff. Right. So, yeah, man. Um, I know we're kind of approaching the hour. Um, if you had the uh, attention of everyone in the world, ears and eyes mm-hmm. of everyone, and you could mm-hmm. deliver a message um, that everyone would hear, what, mm-hmm. what would you what would you say? You know, I, I, I really do feel like people have more power than they realize. And I think it's imperative that everybody leans into their, their purpose, leans into the power that they have, and they make their voice heard. Some people will do that through music. Some people will do that through um, being an attorney or whatever career path they take. But I do think we have more power especially collectively than we know. And I think that come November, we're going to show that collective power. And I think that it's going to be a hopeful, joyful time. And it's going to be a little rough, but it's going to come out on the other side of this thing. And we're going to have real opportunity for change, real opportunity to live the way that we want to. And I'm very hopeful and ecstatic for that day. But until then, we need to we need to put the work in. You know, we need to tell people to get out to vote. We need to tell people uh look into the issues. But um it's gonna be some work leading up to November, but I think that I believe it will will end in a good place and we'll move this thing forward. And the American experience will experiment, we'll we'll keep going, you know, and we'll we'll kind of see how we can shape this thing. Hey, I think you know. That's a, a broader message there too. Put that work in. You know what I mean? Like most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, what are the ats, man? Where where you at on Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, man. Um, at underscore lg three. Um, Twitter at underscore lg three. Um, LarryFGordon.com. You can you can you can check me out. Um, but no, I appreciate this conversation, man. I needed this, man. This was good. This was this is a this is a peaceful thing to do. Yeah, always good to talk to you, man, and always good to uh, you know get some perspective and and see what's going on. So I uh, definitely appreciate you. So yeah. it's been real. Definitely, man. We'll talk soon.